pack my bags. Last night, pre-flight. Zero hour. 9 a.m. And I'm going to be high. Yes, that's William Shatner doing his rendition of Rocket Man, and I thought that was appropriate because both he and Leonard Nimoy this past week celebrated birthdays. Both of them turned 79 years young. Uh, for two of my childhood heroes, and still, uh, you know, great fans of both of the things these guys keep doing, and Shatner just is everywhere, and he's just. Uh, an amazing guy and seems to be able to do just about anything. And, and Leonard Nimoy in the last year's Star Trek movie did such a great job. It's just it's just great to see these guys still going and still having fun out there. So you're listening, though, to <laughs> Treks in Sci-Fi. You probably know that. This is Rico, and today is going to be podcast 272. It is March the 28th, 2010, almost April. Wow. Hard to believe uh, we're almost, uh, well, it's spring, I guess. So the subject for this week's podcast, uh, I announced last week, but uh, just if you don't know, it is going to cover the the long-running, very successful, very uh, well-received, very well-liked uh, TV series, The X-Files. We're going to take a little Trek break, at least uh, when we get to the main subject area of the podcast, and talk about this great uh, series that ran mainly in the 90s to the early 2000, I think 2002 it ended. I'll get those exact dates when I get into the the meat of the podcast, but it's a great series. Uh, one of my favorite uh, series of all time, one of my biggest, uh, I, I mean, I watched it every week, and well, I'll be talking about it uh, a lot on today's podcast and try to give people a little taste for it if you're not familiar with it, and for those that are familiar, we'll be covering and talking about some things that I really enjoyed about the show uh, over the nine seasons that it was on the air, so um uh, I guess that's it. We'll talk about some Trek and other little things uh, before we get into the X-Files discussion. But uh, as I usually say, just sit back, relax, and uh, here we go with the podcast. you just have a little uh, rendition of uh, I think that's one of the early versions and it didn't change a lot over the course of the series but that's the theme from uh, the X-Files television show so welcome again to the podcast everyone I hope everyone is doing well and has had a good week it's uh, it's good for me another weekend here I'm in Rockford uh, still I, I've uh, gosh it's been many weeks now since I've been home it's getting a little uh, <laughs> it's getting a little old and I, I, I miss uh, 
as William Shatner, I miss my wife, you know, it's lonely out here in Rockford. <laughs> anyway, the but next weekend for the Easter weekend holiday, I will be going home. So that's great uh, for me and for everyone, I hope. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Uh, it's always difficult, as I've said many a time on the podcast, to just kind of get rolling into this. I was spending the morning uh, today collecting up some clips and, and doing a little bit of background work and getting ready for the podcast about the X-Files. And uh, I discovered again, and this has happened a few times now, and I, and I feel a little bit bad, but uh, it, it's difficult sometimes. You know, I, I depend a little bit while I'm out here because I don't have access to a lot of my DVDs and things at home. I depend on the web and, and the Internet and YouTube especially to collect up clips for some, some of these special shows like this. And it, it wasn't that easy, uh, again, for the X-Files, but I think I got a good good collection, and I've got a lot to talk about for the show, so uh, I think we're going to be okay, and uh, and I think it'll work out, but it, it's just, uh, well, it makes things a little bit trickier for me, but uh, anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Trek and sci-fi news uh, before we get into the X-Files discussion. What's going on in the world of sci-fi? Well, it uh, seems that that uh, town of Vulcan up in Canada in Alberta has been named the official Star Trek capital of Canada. I don't know what that really means, uh, but uh, that's the place that has, uh, they have a convention at least once a year, I believe. They have that big kind of uh, model of the Enterprise outside kind of a place you can uh, look at and take your picture by and uh, I think I've talked about it a few times on the podcast before I think I even have put up in the Star Trek uh, daily pick uh, a, a picture or two from there it uh, you know these for some reason I think they just you know they they were our, the city was named Vulcan before you know I'm not sure a long time ago probably even before the Star Trek series even began you know the name Vulcan has been around a long time in mythology and all that but uh, in once Trek took off and all, they decided to sort of capitalize on that, and it's sort of a tourism spot now. And now they are the official Star Trek capital of Canada. Uh, well, good for them, I guess. And if it gets the city some more money, you got to do what you uh, can these days to to do that. So uh, good for them. Uh, what else Trek related? There are. Um, some new comics coming out. Uh, the uh, I think the final uh, Deep Space Nine. I think it's the final one of that Deep Space Nine run. Fools Gold Four is out from IDW. Uh, there are also other ones running. The uh, Star Trek movie adaptation is out in comic form. I think maybe they're up to issue two or so on that. Two or three. They also are doing a lot of books. I just finally finished uh, this Star Trek Online book by Mike Martin, and I will be interviewing him uh, in probably mid-April. I think I talked about that before, uh, but it was a good book. I enjoyed it, and it's a little different the way it's written, but we'll be talking about that uh, quite a bit when I talk to Mike on Skype uh, sometime in April for an interview for the podcast. Uh, there's also a TNG comic book going right now called uh, Ghosts, uh, and that is up to, I think, issue five, the final one of that. Uh, uh, just all kinds of little Star Trek things going on. Uh, Leonard Nimoy had a birthday. William Shatner had a birthday, I mentioned. Leonard Nimoy is still can be seen uh, popping up as a guest star on Fringe. I think he's got another appearance or two this season still. And, and an interesting thing about Fringe is, of course, that's a... 
a definite successor and in the very much like in the sort of stories and things they they cover although there's a lot of differences too and i'll talk about this uh, but I'm, I'm saying in compa- comparison to uh, the X-Files TV show, there's a lot of similarities between the two shows, but quite a few differences too, quite a few differences in the characters and, and what they uh, what they kind of go after and, and try to um, discover, but also a lot of similarities. So, uh, But uh, Leonard Nimoy says he's kind of done with acting, and he said this a few times over the last few years, and you can understand it. I mean, why... Really, I mean, you know, he, he doesn't have anything left to, to prove or do if he doesn't want to, and he should be enjoying maybe some of his time. Although I think, he, you know, he's not... Uh, William Shatner seems to just want to keep going and going, and I think he's even going to be... be uh, Shatner's going to be in a new TV series or something where he plays a father or a grandfather or something like that. Uh, kind of a sitcom, I think I heard. I'll have to dig up some more on that. I'm not sure if it's just a pilot or a regular uh, full series yet. Uh, but uh, what else? Let's see. Oh, um, I've played a little bit more of Star Trek Online. Not a lot, uh, but uh, I'm still having a few issues, technical issues with the game, uh, and I, I think I may need to just reinstall it, and I just haven't gotten around to doing that. But it's still kind of cool. Uh, I haven't, again, played that much, but I was uh, sort of looking for someone to maybe uh, take, uh, Star Trek Online and cover it and give us a little discussion and review and their thoughts that uh, some from someone who's played the game a lot more than I have so far. So I got Billy Bob or Joe who has done a, a guest hosting gig here on Treks in Sci-Fi before he covered that movie Free Enterprise. Anyway, Joe sent in an audio uh, clip this week with his thoughts on the Star Trek Online game. And I, I think he will have a lot more to say than I have at this point about the game. So uh, with all that, uh, here is Joe and his thoughts about the Star Trek Online MMO game now uh, being played uh, all over the Internet. <laughs> Hello, Rico and Trex in Sci-Fi. This is Joe from Toronto, Billy Bob 476 from the Trex in Sci-Fi forums, uh, here to answer Rico's call for some uh, general comments about the new and amazing massively multiplayer online game, Star Trek Online. Now, obviously, uh, I'm not going to go into too much, probably just more my uh, observations so far, because, God, we could have... I mean, there are full podcasts about the show, and we could definitely have a podcast about uh, about the game. But, um, you know, I'll say that uh, I haven't played as much as I'd like to, uh, I'm only about a Lieutenant Commander 2, which I guess in uh, in number terms would be about equivalent to level 12. But, uh, you know, I am really enjoying this game. I think it's 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 great. The graphics are great, and uh, more importantly, this is a very, very Trek-feeling game, which I guess would be important, being that it's Star Trek Online. But what I mean by that is that you can tell that the development team and the developers themselves and the artists and you know, everyone involved in the building and pacing and everything of this game are Star Trek fans. There's all these little nods, like, um, you know, the big kind of PvP player versus player uh, base for the Federation is uh, is Station K-7 from The Trouble with Tribbles, and the commander currently of Station K-7 is Commander Naomi Wildman. And, you know, just little nods like that where, you know, they could have put a random person, but, you know, they'll put... Naomi Wildman grown up commanding the station and another uh, mission where you run into Tom and Bellana's daughter 
from Voyager again, grown up, and she's a, a lieutenant. And you run around with her. So, you know, stuff like that, I find these these missions and the environment that they've created is, uh, is, is the big strength of this game. Now, are there issues? Yeah, you know, there's issues. I had a server disconnection last night, but this is a new... MMO, and, you know, that's to be expected. Everyone sits and compares every MMO that comes out to World of Warcraft. Well, the thing that people don't understand is that when World of Warcraft came out, it wasn't World of Warcraft either. It had its problems. It had massive queues and server instability and game imbalance, etc., etc. Now, the problem is, if people don't like a game, they can run back and play WoW, but, uh, which, you know, I'm playing both games at the same time, but... You know, this game definitely, while it does at the moment have its flaws, also has, you know, an incredible amount of, of, of stuff to do and an incredible amount of potential. One thing I'll, I'll talk about really quick are the missions. And, you know, like I said, being in the Star Trek universe, a lot of these, there are a lot of missions that are like, go into this system and, you know, destroy all the Orion pirates. And, you know, there, there are definitely those, and there's definitely ground combat missions where it's like, show up and, you know, kill all the Klingons and save the scientists and, and whatever. But then there are these other missions that just play out, like, episodes. Like, there's one mission where I ended up at a trading, a Federation trading station, I believe it was, and, um, you know, there was uh, something that had gone down, and, and I had to run around the station, basically looking for clues and with my crew and scanning different items... You know, like there was, uh, oh, yeah, that's what it was. There was a rash of accidents. You know, so I had to go to the cargo bay and inspect the scene of one accident and then go to the medical lab and inspect the scene of another accident. And as you go through, you know, you find stuff out and your away team, your crew that, that comes along with you talks to you and, you know, your science officer says scientific things and talks about, you know, oh, well, the replicator has been used this way and blah, blah, blah. So if we scan the replicator... For this pattern, then we'll find what's been going on and, and all that. So you're running around, and I God, you don't pull a weapon one time during that mission. And, you know, there's a bunch like that. There's, you know, a satellite has crashed on the planet. We have to find the pieces before they contaminate the environment and kill the inhabitants of the planet and things like that. So, you know, there's there's a lot of run-and-gun missions, in both in space and on the ground. But there's also these really, really great multi-staged, multi-stepped, multi-system uh missions where there isn't very much fighting at all, or there's no fighting at all. And uh, so, you know, I think that they have really gone to great steps to make this not just a shoot-em-up, run-and-gun game with Star Trek ships, but uh, to try and really make it, you know, a, a Star Trek game. So, I guess that's it for now. Uh, this is a great game if you are a Star Trek fan at all and enjoy gaming in any way and don't mind spending $15 a month on, on an MMO. Uh, I, I highly recommend this game. It's a lot of fun. I know some people who are further along than me have been complaining that they were running out of stuff to do, but uh, it seems like uh, the release schedule is coming along so that they're going to be putting out, or they have been putting out and will be putting out a lot more stuff for high-level players. But uh, for the moment, I'm having a great time, and uh, that'll do for now, and thank you very much. Well, great, Joe. Thanks very much for your uh, comments. I know you've had, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, well, a lot more time than I have to play the game, and I was looking forward to hearing 
what you had to say and and the call also still goes out to i know there's other people on the forum and other podcast listeners that are playing the game and if you'd like to send in your comments and what your thoughts are too uh whether they're like joe's or or you know more or less or you like it more or you like it less whatever uh you can always send that stuff into trek sf at gmail.com yeah joe so far i'm liking it pretty much uh, with you again i've had very little time the the only little thing for me right now is is the I I find myself almost being led along, uh, and I mentioned this I think before when I was first playing it that I it seems to be somewhat uh, like come here do this mission now come over here and do this mission like the thing about and I and I again you mentioned this on your comments about World of Warcraft but I have to use that as a little bit of an example. I, I feel like I, I don't have um, as many options, I guess would be the way to put it, uh, to do different things. And maybe that's just because, again, I'm in the early stages of the game. Maybe that's going to change. But I, I, I kind of feel like it's almost like connect the dots to a degree of the missions in terms of like, okay, now you can go do this one and now go do this one. And I know that's true in all MMOs a little bit. Uh, maybe that's just the due to the depth and the amount of content they have right now, but I feel a little sort of just led along uh, more than I would like, I guess. And and again, I've played not very much. I don't know, am I a lieutenant now? I think I am, or something like that. But but anyway, that's just one little comment. I think it looks good. I, it it seems to play pretty well. I, I I love the the outer space look. Although I would have been a little bit maybe more happy with. Not so much space combat where you're just sort of flying around in the ship, phase your photons, shooting other little ships or other little things in space. I, I don't know. I, I miss the idea of being able to, like, sit in the bridge and command different, you know, members of the crew to do different things. And I don't know if that's going to ever come into play or not. Rather, rather more of like a bridge situation rather than just here's my ship overhead view or you know an out outside third person view of it and then flying around and and don't again take anything that i'm saying i'm going to stick with the game and keep playing for a while that it being you know that any of these are really out you know huge negatives or anything like that just little things like that that i might do different or i'm unsure of how the game's going to continue to go for me but uh but I still think that you're right. They definitely have done their Star Trek homework. And uh, related to that, you mentioned Naomi Wildman, also a Tom and Bellana's daughter. Uh, those things figure into that Star Trek online book I was talking about in a little way. And I don't want to say too much. Again, I'm going to do a podcast about that with their author. But uh, I, I would suggest, I think it's coming out uh, very soon. Uh, I think it was April was the target, or the very end of March. It should be in stores, Amazon.com. Uh, just for search for Michael A. Martin or Star Trek Online. I think it's called Star Trek Online, colon, The Needs of the Many. But uh, if you want a, a quick, fun read and uh, to give you a little bit of background related to the game, uh, I, I would definitely pick it up. And I think uh, one caveat to that a little bit is you don't necessarily have to be playing the game to enjoy this book. There's some interesting things going on in it, and it, it isn't just like a book about the game or anything like that. Uh, so, uh, with all that, uh, let's uh, take a short break here, and I'll be back with a few other things before we get into the X-Files subject. 
If you like a good science fiction story, then you'll like The Martians Are Here podcast by Australian author Stefan Sonnen. The Martians Are Here podcast is a science fiction serial around 15 minutes per podcast episode set in the not-too-distant future. It's a story about two alien species from very different origins who bring their ongoing war to Earth with disastrous consequences for humanity. told through the eyes of five people who must piece together what's going on in order to survive. This is what happens when biology, technology, and adaptability collide. The Martians Are Here podcast on iTunes and on themartiansarehere.com. Yeah, that's our good friend Rick Moyer there. Uh, he's been doing some work, uh, music uh, on uh, this Martians Are Here, a podcast, uh, sort of a, a, a sci-fi serial that's uh, they're doing in audio form. I haven't had a chance in time to listen yet myself, but it sounds very cool. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting uh, some time to sit down and listen to what they've put out so far. I think it's a couple episodes up so far. But anyway, check it out uh, when you get a chance. Okay, uh, not much else to say right now yet before we get into the X-Files subject. Just a few little things. Uh, one, I want to thank everyone who has uh, recently donated to the podcast, made a PayPal donation. There are links on the main webpage, on the, uh, also on the forum. There's a PayPal link there. Those are always appreciated. Really appreciate the ones that have done the, you know, the, the small monthly donation. That's very nice. It, and it helps really pay for the the bandwidth and the server hosting fees for the podcast and the website information and forums and all that. Uh, it's its really great that you guys can support and help out on that. I, I always appreciate it and, and probably don't say it enough. So I just wanted to say that this week before I forgot, and I, I mentioned it on the forum the other day, but uh, I know there are a lot of people listening to the podcast that aren't on the forum, so I wanted to put that out here. Uh, uh, looking forward to a few movies right now. I haven't seen that much lately uh, sci-fi related, although I have to admit I, I watched that Twilight New Moon movie about a week ago. Uh, I got it on Netflix, and uh, it wasn't that bad. I saw the first one, too. I, I think a lot of people just badmouth those because they're sort of these teen movies that all the girls especially seem to love, and, and, and it's got this huge following, and vampires seem to be everywhere these days although i am also enjoying the vampire diaries tv show i think that show is really interesting has a very strong cast and i was kind of so so on it at the beginning of the season but it's getting better i believe and i'm liking it but new moon wasn't that bad i mean it was you know it was what you'd expect actually i thought it was kind of a little slow to a degree i you know in a way I wonder what it would be like in book form. I haven't read the books, but uh, but other than that, the the movies that I really want to see, uh, two of them right now, 
just one just came out how to train your dragon which just looks like a great sort of boy and his dog story although in this case it's a boy and his dragon story that's an animated uh, 3d feature although i think you can i'm sure you can probably see it in 2d the other movie that's coming out i believe at the end of this week on uh, friday i think it's out on friday is the new clash of the titans and i was a huge fan of the 80s version of this the new one looks it looks good. Of course, they've got a lot cooler and more updated effects. They also kind of converted this and made it 3D, of course. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to talk about that anymore this week. But uh, I will be uh, trying to see it uh, next weekend on Easter weekend when I'm home. Uh, if I can, I, I'd like to see it in, in, in the regular 2D format because uh, that's the way it was originally intended. But uh, that looks good. I, I hope they do a good job with it. And I'm looking forward to how much they keep from sort of the original movie, if they keep a lot or if they've changed it that much. I mean, it looks like there's a lot of elements they kept into this in this movie. So I, I'm excited by seeing that. Uh, and I think that's about it. Uh, of course, we're slowly now uh, or fairly quickly getting into the uh, big movie season. We've got Iron Man 2 coming out at the beginning of May, which is really only about a month away or so which is kind of surprising and hard to believe. You know, that will be about a, will have been now one year since the Star Trek J.J. Uh, Abrams movie came out, which is, that to me is really hard to believe that it's been a year since that happened. So, uh, well, now I'm just kind of rambling about other little subjects, and we need some time to cover The X-Files. Two FBI agents assigned to the same cases for different reasons. No explainable cause of death. Do you have a theory? You believe in the existence of extraterrestrials. One a skeptic, one a believer. Both trying to answer questions that were never meant to be uncovered. I think those kids have been abducted. By who? By what? Seal this up. Nobody sees or touches this. Distinguishing features indicate subject is not human. You've got to trust me. I gotta know what they're protecting. Hold it right there. Between reality and fantasy. You've got to protect me. Terror and reason. Alder, what are they? Trust and betrayal. The X-rays and pictures. Lie the chilling secrets. Alder, is that you? Mulder? Of the X-Files. Agent Mulder, what are his thoughts? Agent Mulder believes we are not alone. The X-Files, a new dramatic series premiering Friday, September 10th on Fox. Okay, The X-Files. This uh, TV series was a Canadian-American science fiction television series uh, that was created by a screenwriter named Chris Carter. The, the story goes about this series is that Chris Carter was a, a, a very big fan of a 70s uh, short-lived TV series called The Night Stalker with uh, Darren McGavin playing a... He was a, a reporter, and he would investigate strange things and uh, stuff that would go bump in the night, you know, a lot of more horror-ish type stuff, things like uh, vampires and werewolves and, and little and things like that. Uh, the X-Files, uh, Chris Carter has always said that that was one of the, his biggest inspirations for doing what he, what he did here with the X-Files. Other series that he's mentioned over the years, things like Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, Night Gallery, all of those were influences for him on this uh, series. The basic premise of this series is it, is it revolved around two main characters, two FBI agents, Fox Mulder, played by David Duchovny, and Dana Scully, played by Gillian Anderson. They were FBI agents. Uh, Scully was also a medical doctor. And the, the 
point or the name for the X-Files came from uh, a group of uh, sort of unsolved mysterious cases that were sort of plunked in Fox Mulder's lap uh, to a degree. He also wanted to do it. Uh, but it was uh, things they were marked with the X where they were things that were sort of unexplained or paranormal or otherworldly or, or just didn't have a logical scientific explanation. And these cases would come up and they would be given to, to Fox uh, for Agent Mulder to, to investigate. And the other background on Mulder's character is that when he was a, uh, a boy, I think he was about 10 or so at the time, his sister, Samantha, disappeared. And he was always maintaining throughout the series. And oh, one, one little thing I want to mention here before we get too deep into this is I'm going to try not to give away any real major huge spoilers for the series. I'm going to try to give you just a taste and a feel for it. I know I was surprised a little bit on the forum and, and maybe people, other people listening to the podcast out there of uh, the number of people that hadn't really seen much of the X-Files. Uh, so I am not going to try to give away or I'm going to try not to give away uh, some of the big uh, you know, reveals and big things that happen in the series. It's a great series. It run, ran for nine whole seasons on Fox, the Fox Network. It was their first biggest hit, their first uh, real big hit that broke into the top 25 uh, Nielsen-rated uh, shows. And it ran from, let's see, September of 1993 through May of 2002. So it was a total of 202 episodes. All of them are out on DVD. Now, getting back to Fox uh, Mulder's character, David Duchovny's character, not, or I should say, the character of Fox Mulder, the Agent Mulder character, he was, um, as a boy again, his sister Samantha disappeared. And in flashbacks and things through the series that you see, he has always maintained and believed that she was taken by aliens. They show various scenes throughout the series of these lights coming and the typical, like, you know, the, the sister being sort of dragged away and he's a boy kind of watching her in his home and uh, her his older, or he was the older brother, kind of responsible for her, and she disappears. And he has been sort of obsessed with over many, many years of finding out what had happened to her and trying, if he could, to find a way to get her back. And that led him to the FBI and the X-Files and all of that. And he kind of has this, uh, in the early years, in the early season, he has this nickname that uh, he was given at the FBI Academy called Spooky because he he is the believer. There are, uh, you know, they, they did this show and, and were really, you know, Chris Carter did a great job with uh, coming up with the characters that he did and, and the way they were defined. Uh, Mulder's character, Fox, is the believer. He believes in all these strange things, uh, paranormal phenomena, ESP, you know, being able to, you know, aliens, the whole alien thing that goes on through the X-Files runs through all of the seasons pretty much. And there is also a huge amount of sort of government conspiracy and theories and uh, stuff like that that's going on here too. And they are always sort of both kind of on the run a little bit, Fox and Mulder, or sorry, not Fox and Mulder. Uh, Mulder and Scully are kind of always not only fighting whatever the big bad is for the week uh, and the ongoing conspiracy and alien situation, but they're also sort of fighting the government. 
And there's a lot of this idea that the government has known that there have been aliens that have visited here through Roswell and other situations. And they have been working very hard over the years of covering that up and keeping it away from the public. And the one of the things from the series you see right in the opening credits, there's these little taglines. And, and the main one that they always uh, put on the show at the end of the credits was called The Truth is Out There. And Mulder was always a big believer in that the public and everyone needs to they 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 deserve the truth. They deserve to know what's going on. The government, you know, is is playing this game of well, we know what's best for you, and we're doing this for your own good and all that kind of thing. And he never really agreed with that, and he always was for trying to get things out in the open. Although in most of the cases, in most times, he always kind of failed in that aspect. They were always kind of a little bit one step ahead of him. There was a sort of cabal of 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 people that were in the government, ex-people from the government that were keeping all of this quiet. Uh, and uh, let's, well, before I go further on that tact, uh, let's talk a little bit about Scully, played by, uh, Dana Scully, played by Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson is actually British, which is kind of interesting. She, ha- she has a, although I think she's kind of, I haven't seen a recent interview with her. So I think over the years she sort of lost her accent a bit, but she, this was a big role for her. This was probably her first biggest job, and I think you can see one of the neat things about this series is you see how much she grows as an actress. I think she's very good even in the in the early seasons, but she gets better and definitely improves uh, as the years go on. And again, I don't mean that she's bad at the beginning, but uh, you know their relationship, the chemistry between. Uh, both Duchovny and Gillian Anderson is really good in this series, and that's what makes, to me, is a good part of my enjoyment for the series is, is how well they work together as actors and characters on the show. So um, I'm going to give you some more background in history, but let's play a, uh, a clip from uh, one of the... I think this is maybe a little preview clip of one of the episodes from Season 1 of The X-Files. Friday... They were warned not to investigate a top-secret military project. They've got a UFO here, and they'll do anything to keep it a secret. They should have listened. Your lives may be in danger. We've seen things that weren't to be seen. The X-Files. Friday at 9, 8 central. Yeah, that's a clip from an episode uh, called Deep Throat from season one. It's It's a good episode. There's a... There's a character on the show that uh, sort of feeds Mulder information uh, that sort of, you kind of wonder which side he's really working. He's a he's sort of a government agent, an old friend of Mulder's family and that, and uh, he gives him, he's he kind of refers to him as Deep Throat, and that is uh, what this episode is about uh, from the first season. It, it's, um, let's see, what else can we cover to begin with? Uh, the... I think the the interesting or the most important thing is just the fact that you've got a skeptic and a believer in this show with uh, Mulder and Scully going at it a little bit. And there's, you know, Scully always would try to come up with a scientific explanation and they, you know, Mulder would just be immediately believing what's going on. And it's um, it's interesting. The uh, I'm reading something here off uh, the Internet the, the initial pitch, though, for that Chris Carter gave to Fox for this show was it was rejected. But then he came back. He kind of fleshed out the concept a few, and they created the um, 
the pilot episode. And then the the idea here was that they um, they would show the pilot and then decide whether they wanted to go for a full series. And, of course, they did. And uh, there was a, a, a lot of cool secondary characters, lots of them. Walter Skinner, of course, played by Mitch Pileggi, who later worked on uh, Stargate. Uh, he played Walter Skinner. And he is sort of the boss of Scully and Mulder throughout most of the series. And I, I liked him a lot. He was reasonable. At first, he kind of is a, you know, kind of this badass kind of a guy. And, and he's like, you know, Mulder, what are you doing this week? You know, he never believes him. And he's kind of grumpy and, and all that kind of stuff. But he, he, he later kind of starts to get on their side and actually saves them uh, several times and kind of backs them up a little bit too, which is kind of cool, I think. And... Uh, I like the fact that Scully, too, is a medical doctor. She's very scientific, but she also, uh, one of the cool things about her in this, she's very, uh, she she's pretty religious. She wears a cross a lot in the, uh, in the season, in the episodes that you'll see. And uh, there's a great uh, episode called Beyond the Sea that involves, uh, involves her father, and it's it's a lot of uh, very deep stuff, and again, great character things, along with cool stories. You know, they they would balance in the series kind of like both these sort of long running series conspiracy stories, also with uh, an individual story each, or sometimes each week they would bring in sort of the monster of the week that you could call it. And, and one of those from the early season was this guy that could sort of squeeze through very small openings, very small openings. And the name of this episode was called Squeeze. It awakens once every 30 years to kill. Undetermined points of entry. Each victim had their liver removed. But this time... Position 10 requesting backup. Two FBI agents... Oh my God, Mulder. ...will be waiting for it. <laughs> an all-new episode Friday at 9, 8 central. Yeah, that was a very uh, cool episode. Uh, and these previews are a little hard to get a complete feel for it, but uh, as I'll say a few times throughout this podcast, I urge everyone, if you've not seen these, you know, read some of them off of Netflix or at your local video store. You know, people still do that at the local video store? I don't know. Or just buy some. The season sets are not that bad on Amazon. Just Especially season one. I think if you watch season one, you will be very impressed. There's some amazingly great episodes in season one, and I'd be surprised if you watch season one if you're listening to this podcast and don't want to see more. So uh, uh, let's give you another clip here. This this is uh, actually from one of the movies. They did a couple of X Files movies. I'm not gonna. I want to talk more about those later uh, in this discussion. But uh, this clip though comes from I think the first movie in the series. And the thing I like about it is Mulder, the scene is sort of Mulder's in a, a bar. He's kind of had, you know, some bad things have been going on. He, he's always totally, he just continues to try, continues to try to fight the government and the conspiracies and learn the truth. But uh, things always seem to go wrong and happen. But he's not very happy here. He's been drinking quite a bit. And the bartender says to him something like, so what do you do? The usual question, you know, I guess that it gets asked in bars and stuff. And, and asking Mulder that question, it, it sets him up kind of for an interesting little exchange here. Well, we've got to train for that kind of heavy lifting. Loopy day? 
So, what do you do? What do I do? Mm -hmm. I'm the key figure in an ongoing government charade. The plot to conceal the truth about the existence of extraterrestrials. It's a global conspiracy, actually, with key players in the highest levels of power and that reaches down into the lives of every man, woman, and child on this planet. So of course no one believes me. I'm a, I'm an annoyance to my superiors, a joke to my peers. They call me Spooky. Spooky Mulder's sister was abducted by aliens when he was just a kid, and now chases after little green men with a badge and a gun, shouting to the heavens or anyone who will listen that the fix is in and that the sky is falling. And when it hits, it's going to be the shit storm of all time. Well. I would say that about does it, Spooky. Does what? Well, looks like 86 is your lucky number. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that clip quite a bit. Uh, it's it's really good, and uh, it gives you a, a feel for him a little bit too. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the two main main characters and the actors a bit. Uh, David Duchovny as as Fox uh, Mulder and and Dana Scully for um or Gillian Anderson. And originally, the network actually wanted someone a little different for Scully's character. They wanted somebody taller, maybe a little bustier, blonder, basically a little more eye candy, I guess. Although I think Gillian Anderson is Gillian Anderson. Let me say that five times fast. Is just fine, but you know the networks and things. Well, especially since she's an FBI agent, she's wearing basically sort of suits and things for the most part or scrubs or whatever not the most flattering get up so the later on in the series as the episodes and the seasons went on they put her in i think sharper clothes she actually uh her hair grew out a little bit more and um the interesting thing too about her just a little side note is she has sort of this uh beauty mole on her face kind of on her upper lip area and they would always kind of cover that for the series because they thought it made her look a little too pretty which is kind of goes in contrast to what the network wanted where they wanted her a little more sexier a little prettier on the show but uh, uh but anyway the um, also about david duchovny one of the things that was kind of interesting about him and doing some background uh, reading some things on this is that chris carter you know the main guy behind the show wasn't really all that thrilled with him when he first came into audition for fox Mulder's character and he thought he, he was reading the lines kind of slow. And, and David Duchovny has a certain way of delivering lines and acting that I, I could see where he would say, that this guy does, just seems like he's a little out of it. He's a little slow. And I guess he read it a few more times, and eventually Chris Carter agreed to things and tried to convince Duchovny to sort of, you know, imagine yourself like you're an FBI agent and try to act more like that. Uh, but later he found out that... Um, that David Duchovny was actually very uh, highly intelligent. He had gone to, I think, Oxford and uh, has a degree in English literature, I believe. The, I'm, I'm talking about uh, uh, Duchovny, you know, David Duchovny. And uh, I think he really never even really wanted to be an actor at the beginning of, of his career and all that. He wanted to be more like a professor or something like that. Uh, I'll have to look at that a little bit more. But uh and they also, they blended that into the show a little bit, and that Fox Mulder was sort of like that, too. He's very well-educated um, and very smart person, read a lot of books and everything like that. 
much like David Duchovny. And, you know, that that seems to always happen on a lot of shows that seem to be fairly popular, where there's sort of this little bit of a blending between what the, the real-life actor is like and their character, although I don't think uh, Gillian Anderson knows anything about medicine, uh, even though she played this medical doctor and she'd always do the, you know, the orto- autopsies. No, no, not autopsies. What am I saying? autopsies for you know bodies they would find and she would do all the scientific work back in the lab and and Mulder would be out there you know figuring that there was some kind of otherworldly or crazy explanation for things and let's play another clip from one of the promo uh, clips of uh, episodes from season one and I think this is related to I think this is the beyond the sea one uh, that I was talking about earlier Agent Scully is looking for a serial killer. I know what you want. And the most notorious prisoner on death row. You're putting yourself in danger. He's the only one who can help her. He could have been setting you up. You could be dead right now. The X-Files. He's getting ready to kill. An all-new episode, Friday at 9, 8 Central. Yeah, so again, hopefully that gives you a little feel for uh, for some of these episodes. Uh, I, I think, again, the early uh, seasons, especially season one, are just very strong episodes. They're, they're all, uh, you know, have their ups and downs. I mean, any series that runs for nine seasons, you're going to have some some very, very, you know, great, strong episodes. And then the, you know, some not as good, obviously. The, uh, the thing about this series, though, that I think is pretty impressive and pretty amazing is for me at least how strong it started out other series maybe don't do that uh you know one good example of that is the next generation star trek the next generation most people feel that the early couple of seasons were first especially until you get to about season three and again there are exceptions in episodes but it, it took a while for it to really get cooking and, and come up with some of those great episodes that we all love, even, even though there were, again, some of those in the early seasons. But X-Files, I think, just every episode, especially in season one, I think is, is very strong, very interesting. And I think that's a lot due to the writers and, and Chris Carter. You know, he wrote a lot of the scripts and he had other people on staff. Um, there were a couple of guys, especially in the early season. Let me just look at their names real quick. Um there was uh, yeah, two of them, Glenn Morgan and James Wong, were two people that really added a lot to the episodes in the uh, early years, the early at least half of the series or so, and came up with a lot of the early uh, themes and characters and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, it's just, it, it's a great show, and uh, I've got still a lot more to say. The next clip, though, that I thought was kind of humorous, just to lighten it up a bit. This one's kind of funny. I think this is from uh, the UK, and this was a, and the show was very popular overseas as well. I wanted to mention that it was a pretty popular series. It actually was the longest-running sci-fi series ever in the United States um, before uh, Stargate uh, surpassed it uh, with ten seasons. This ran for nine seasons. Anyway, this is uh, this is a couple of promos. I think again from the UK. Uh, and they are, there's two back-to-back. One's related to Mulder's character, and one's uh, related to uh, Scully's character. So anyway, listen to this. It's pretty funny. Running, shooting? I know. Mulder, breaking out. Let 
What's in Scully? Scully in the hall, in the lab, in the hospital? No, Scully's seeing something really scary. Oh, and don't forget her favorite line, all together now, girls. Oh, hey, how about that old dark and smelly villain? Oh, the cigarette smoking man? Yeah, let's just kill him. Okay, we need to see aliens. Vampires. Faceless men. Strange creatures. Explosions. Wait, I thought we were going to do something different. How about a jungle scene? No, no, maybe something romantic. Maybe an You've seen it all. You've heard it all. Except the truth. Hang on. What about Scully in her underwear? Oh, shut up! The X-Files, Sundays on Star World. Yeah, I like that. Uh, good job with that. Uh, some nice light humor in there. And uh, um, the another thing I wanted to mention really with regards to the X-Files is uh, not only did they have a great, uh, you know, leads in the, in the main cast and, and people that, uh, you know, uh, Duchovny and Gillian Anderson have gone on to be very popular, very famous on movies and, and other things. They, uh, they had a lot of good guest stars and, and really interesting ones, too. Charles Nelson Riley was even on the show a couple times, Jose Young, and uh, he, he did a great job. And they, they also were very good at, to me, balancing these episodes that, you know, some were not so intense and scary. Uh, and, and then they had some lighter ones, especially in some of the later seasons, some that were pretty, uh, pretty you know, humor-filled. And, you know, especially uh, Mulder's character has a very sort of dry sense of humor and uh, he, 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 I think, did pretty good about delivering some one-liners throughout the series. I wish I, would able, I was able to find a clip of, you know, somebody out there needs to create sort of a video clip of uh, all of the sort of, you know, one-liners from, uh, from the X-Files, especially delivered by Mulder. There's a lot of uh, really good ones. You know, and he he would balance some of the crazy things going on around him sometimes with humor, just like, you know, a lot of characters on other television shows will do from time to time. And he was kind of that guy, you know, kind of a little bit uh, reckless, a little out there, a little funny, uh, humorous in that. And, uh, you know, Scully was sort of the straight man or the straight woman in this case. There is, uh, here's another promo that I wanted to play. This one is, I think, from the early part of season two they also were they used cliffhangers a fair amount on the x-files from season to season uh and sometimes within within the seasons as well but uh here's a i think this is from early between or at least the promo for season two uh related to what had happened towards the end of season one coming friday the fbi has turned against them we must assume we're being watched the government is trying to kill them now, Agent Scully and Mulder are about to make their most startling discovery. Contact. No! The X-Files season premiere, Friday. Okay, see, um, the setting for this series was supposed to be around, you know, Washington, D.C. and the East Coast and that area. And a lot of times they're out in the woods with flashlights and, and, and trying to investigate something going on. But it was mostly filmed up in the in Canada up in the Vancouver area where a lot of television shows Stargate and other series eventually were were filmed up in that area and one of the sort of slight drawbacks to that situation was you know there's a lot of very you know kind of foggy and rainy uh, scenes and episodes and a lot of these places that they're going to all start to look the same after a while you know didn't we see that same set of woods and I think that happened a little bit on Stargate occasionally too um, but what happened with the reason, part of the reason I wanted to mention that is, is that about midway through the series between series, seasons five and six, they moved, uh, Duchovny especially was getting tired of being away from his wife 
And I don't think it was, he was also not very happy with the weather up there in Vancouver. So they moved the whole series, moved the the base of operations and, and the filming and everything like that down to the Los Angeles area. And that sort of gave the show a little bit of a different look uh, and feel. And some of the fans weren't really all that happy with that situation. Uh, but I, I was okay with it. I thought it was kind of nice to shake things up a little bit uh, and to give them a little different look. And that, uh, again, also changed a, a, a bit of the style of the show to a degree, I think. Uh, and they brought in some new people to work on it at that point, too. Some uh, some people behind the scenes. And, you know, when you're changing location, some people, you know, don't want to move with the show. You know, people that they were using up in Canada, you know, couldn't make the move. And so they would hire had to hire some new people down in the L.A. area to work on the X-Files at that point in time. And uh, next up, uh, let's play this clip here. This is just a, a really quick one. It was kind of a little promo clip of, of both of the characters sort of talking about the other character. Um, and you, you'll know what I mean when you when you listen to it. It's kind of cool, and it's not very long. So there's two of them sort of here back-to-back, uh, Mulder and Scully, talking about each other. I miss her intelligence and integrity for contradicting me. The way she says my name. Yeah, I miss that. I miss how much he challenged me knowing that if i was in trouble the chances were he was doing everything in his power to come help me yeah just something really quick there to play for you um next up let's talk uh one of the things that was kind of cool about the x-files for me at least was that uh they had gotten successful enough that during the series run not after the series ended but during the series run actually it showed up in theaters in 1998 between seasons five and six it uh, they did a movie uh, a feature-length movie called uh this was called the first one they've done two this one was called the x-files fight the future it had a lot of get, good guest uh, stars and it sort of related a little bit to what was going on in the series at the time uh it did pretty well was pretty well received by the critics uh, they didn't, uh, you know, coming out during the summer, I think it came out towards the end of July, I think it was in the summer. I remember when I saw it, the the budget wasn't that high, but uh, worldwide it made almost $200 million. I think the budget was somewhere around $60, 70000000 is what I read. Uh, they, uh, Duchovny and Gillian Anderson received equal pay for this movie, unlike in their original contract where Duchovny was making more money, actually, than uh, Gillian Anderson. I think that later got rectified, I think, later on. But um, let's play a um, one of the promos, one of the uh, preview trailers for The X-Files, a Fight the Future feature film. Steve, you okay? I got the wind knocked out on me. What's down there, Stevie? Anything? It's a human skull! There are forces on Earth. Toss it up here, dude! No way, but what? This mine. Too hidden to be detected. There are conspiracies too vast. Hey, Stevie! To be uncovered. You okay? Hey, man, let's get out of here. But on June 19th, the truth is coming. Scully? 
Men alone cannot fight the future. Mulder! There's no time! It has mutated. Into what? Trust no one, Mr. Mulder. The truth is something you never guess, never have predicted. Yeah, for me, this this was a really good movie. I think they uh, did a strong, uh, good job with it. I, I like some of the stuff that goes on in it. It also continues some of the mythology and the alien conspiracy situation from uh, the television series. And it was very cool to see, you know, at that time, it was very popular, and I was really enjoying the series. But it was very cool, of course, to see the characters up on the big screen with a bigger budget and, and, and more, you know, just more money to spend, you know, and you always get that kind of different look uh, in, a, in a theater than you do on a TV. And uh, this was back in the days before, you know, high def and huge big screen TVs everywhere. So very nice, very good movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Highly recommended if you get into the series or maybe if you're into the series and you never saw the movies, uh, definitely check this one out, uh, The X-Files Fight the Future. And it, it helps you understand the series a little bit. Uh, during that time, and they explain some things too. So, uh, and a lot of it had to do with the mythology. Like I said, the the whole alien situation, and and Mulder still on this quest to re, you know, to find his sister and all, uh, was was involved in the movie along with a few other things too. And they had a, a good group of guest actors in there too. Martin Landau was in it. Uh, Blythe Danner, uh, just just some really cool people, and a lot of the main characters, of course, that you know from the series too. So. Uh, it was directed by a, uh, one of the directors who did the show quite a bit too, a guy named Rob Bowman directed the film. And um, this, uh, that movie was also written by Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz, is how you say his name, who was also another regular writer on The X-Files. And then we get into the later seasons of the series. Uh, and you started to have a little bit of a, an issue and a problem. David Duchovny started to get a little restless and wanted to leave the series. And what that set up in the later series, like 7, 8, and 9, it set up to bring in a couple of new uh, people. Uh, we had uh, John Doggett, was his name, Doggett? And uh, he was played by Robert Patrick, a very seasoned actor, worked on a lot of sci-fi things over the years. Of course, he first showed up, or at least one of the biggest roles in his early you know, days, or earlier days, was in Terminator 2 as that liquid Terminator that comes back to kill Arnold. Uh, but anyway, he played an FBI agent, John Doggett, and Monica Reyes, uh, played by Annabeth Gish, uh, was also in the later seasons. And you still had Scully around, although she was not there as much either. And uh, But David Duchovny was basically sort of gone, and uh, he eventually came in and, and showed up towards the end of the series in the last episodes to kind of finish things out a little bit. But uh, he had sort of vanished. The explanation uh, on the, the series itself was that he had disappeared. And 
they brought in these two new characters to sort of uh, sort of replace basically Mulder and Scully eventually. The idea I think Chris Carter had was that if the, if they were popular enough and took off enough, they would be able to sort of spin off and become the new uh, sort of male female leads on the X Files. But of course, that never came to pass. And the the last seasons, though, I still think had some strong episodes. A lot of people will will really kind of poo-poo them and, and say, you know, when when D- David Duchovny left and when you didn't have Fox Mulder and, and Dana Scully together in action uh, in the episodes that it, it, it lost a lot. And I'll have to admit, I, I miss that, and I, and I do see their point, and I, I feel that way too also. But I think they still made a valiant effort to try to continue the show. Uh, but it was such a, a show built around Fox Mulder and his obsession with you know, these strange phenomenon, getting his sister back and, and, you know, the whole conspiracy with the government and him both fighting the government and and slowly Scully sort of coming to his side and his terms of believing in what he believed in that you, that was a, a huge part of the show by that point in time. It wasn't just, it wasn't like you could just slip new actors in and, and continue on. They were the show to a degree. Um, and I'm trying to come up with a comparison to some other TV show, but I don't think that's necessary, really. I think you know what I mean. So that kind of made it sort of fizzle out sort of at the end, although I think they had a pretty strong finale and, and final episode uh, when they when they finally ended the series in, in 2002. I thought that was pretty good, and Duchovny was back for that. I also have not really said a lot about the chemistry-love relationship between... Uh, Mulder and Scully throughout the X-Files. It starts out as sort of very, they're partners, they care about each other, but it, it's it's pretty platonic. But over later in the series, there are some things that happen, and and it slowly becomes a little bit more romantic, but not anything overt at all, especially until you get to the, about the final episode. And even the, the final um, you know very final minutes or whatever of the final episode, so it, it's it's kept pretty platonic throughout the series. But there's a lot of playful kind of flirting between the two of them a little bit. And, and I think they, they obviously liked working together, the two actors, and that comes across quite a bit. So um, let's, uh, let's play something a little different here. This clip that I'm going to play, this was uh, the two actors and some other people from the X-Files at a convention. And I think the somebody in the audience asked them a question about what their favorite episode is. And it's just kind of a funny little bit that I found uh, online, so I'll play this for you. If you guys, over the course of you know nine years and two movies, if you had like, a favorite scene that you remember doing, that just really stuck out in your mind, something that you really enjoyed. Favorite scene? Yeah, that you remember filming? One of my favorite episodes is, is uh, Bad Blood. Probably just because it's the only one that I remember. <laughs> I just, I just love, I love. She loves bad blood. Every day it's bad blood, bad blood. Do you all remember that from bad blood? <laughs> why? Why? Yeah, why? Um, I just thought that we were in a really good place, and our, um, I thought that this trip was great, and um, we were just really place 
said. But um, but we both got to play um, how play the other person's uh, perception of ourselves. So I was incredibly moody and bitchy and, and in a bad mood, and and, um, and David was um, like. It was just fun. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, so you get to understand uh, what, uh, or or not understand, but you get to hear what Jillian uh, Anderson's favorite episode is that one called Bad Blood, which is a fantastic, great episode. Like they describe a little bit, what it is is there's um, they each get to play themselves as the other sort of perceives them. And there's other things going on in the episode too, and and just they'll run into somebody, and and Scully sees someone in a certain way, and then Mulder looks over at the person. They meet this sheriff in this small town, for example, and, and Scully's kind of smitten with him a little bit, and uh, when she looks over at him, he, he looks like this very handsome, very you know tough lawman kind of guy. And then when Mulder looks over at the person, he's like this hillbilly with funny teeth and all that. The same character, same actor they're playing, um, but it's uh, but it's just funny. It's it's hard to describe without seeing it. But it's it's a great episode. Bad Blood, definitely worth watching. That one. I'm not, I'm not sure what season that was in. It was in one of the later seasons. A couple last things I want to cover here, and then you know I could talk about the X Files. I mean, I, there's probably whole podcasts out there, and I'm sure there are. I, I, it's not even a guess. There's probably just like I do a basically a Star Trek podcast primarily, but I talk about other sci-fi and things. Uh, I'm sure there's an X Files podcast where they go through each episode and talk about it, just like I do about Trek and all that. There's probably multiple ones because this series is very popular and it still is today. But there's a couple, two or three more things that I wanted to cover at least. Uh, one is there was a spin-off series from the X-Files. A couple of things, actually. Uh, one uh, was a kind of a direct spin-off called The Lone Gunman. Only lasted for about 10 episodes, maybe, something, 10 or 12 episodes. I thought it was pretty cool. I liked it. I even have the DVDs of that uh, series. It featured these three conspiracy guys who were completely believed the government was 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 pulling the wool over our eyes about basically everything. And they published this sort of little underground newspaper called The Lone Gunman, which was a reference to the whole JFK assassination, of course. And uh, three of these guys from the series that had popped up throughout uh, the X-Files to sort of feed Mulder information and help them out occasionally got to do this uh, show, uh, and uh, it was pretty cool. So that's one thing. The other thing is there was another movie uh, that actually was just out uh, about two years ago. They did another X-Files movie. This one, let's see, what was this one subtitled? We did uh, Fight the Future. Is this one something about the truth or something like that? (laughs) Sorry about that, everyone. Let me pause this for a second, and then I will find out. Ah, okay, here we go. It was... uh, it was I Want to Believe was the subtitle, and it was uh, The X-Files, I Want to Believe. This one came out in the summer of 2008, just about, like I said, yeah, a little uh, a little less than two years ago. This one was a little bit different. Chris Carter decided he didn't want to do the whole aliens and government conspiracy stuff so much. He kind of created a movie version of a sort of a one-shot episode of The X-Files, and I liked it. A lot of people said it wasn't, you know, big enough for a movie. It was just like an episode up on the big screen. 
if to put it in Star Trek terms, this was sort of like the Star Trek insurrection for the X-Files. It was a good, nice movie, cool story, but there are a lot of people that kind of thought it was a little weak and, and it was just basically a, a, a big screen version of an episode. But for fans, I think that's okay for people that really enjoy the show. So here's a, a promo or a preview, a little bit of uh, this one called uh, The X-Files, I Want to Believe. From director Chris Carter. Dr. Scully, I'm looking for Fox Mulder. I don't work with Fox Mulder any longer. Only a mystery this big. He claims a psychic connection. My visions were God's work. Maybe it's not God doing the sending. Could bring them back together. Scully? In two days. Look into the darkness, Mulder. Don't give up! X-Files, rated PG-13, this Friday, only in theaters. Yeah, so uh, check that out, too, if you if you get a chance. I would probably suggest that no one really watches either of the X-Files feature films without watching the series. You really won't get much out of them, although that, probably the second one, the, the, the one I just played the clip from, I want to believe, you could probably do that one uh, and, and still get stuff out of it. There's not a lot of background that you need to know for that movie. Um, but the, uh, you know, there, there's probably a lot more enjoyment from it. If you've known the series, at least a few seasons of it before you watch those films. So that's one of the tricks. And it was always the trick with Star Trek too, you know, with the, it's, it's very hard, I think. And that, that's what, one of the things that they were able to do with the last year's Star Trek movie was that you really didn't need to know a lot about Trek to, to enjoy that movie. And that was one of the problems they were slowly getting to with the getting into with the other Trek movies was that they they slowly were only going to be for movies for the actual fans out there, not for your average Joe public type person. And to make enough money in movies these days, I don't think that really that doesn't work. You need to make more money and you need to get more people into the theater. Maybe we'll maybe the next Star Trek movie will be 3D. Now, they should save that for for the third one in the J.J. Abrams trilogy of Trek movies, you know. It would be, you know, Star Trek 3, 3D, or Star Trek 3D, or ST3D. We could just sort of abbreviate. I don't know. Anyway, let's finish up with the X-Files. Spike salutes Agent Fox Spooky Mulder. We all know that the truth is out there, but only Mulder is willing to get off his lazy duff and find it. He's a badass believer who's not afraid to break a few laws. So you believe in these sort of things? She said I want to believe. Once you've been abducted by aliens, the FBI isn't so scary. And although Mulder may never find the truth he seeks, he did manage to find a really hot partner. And for that, we salute him. Catch this true man of paranormal action in the new movie X-Files I Want to Believe in theaters July 25th. And now, Spike salutes Agent Dana Scully. With brains and beauty, Scully proved that making it in the FBI doesn't have to mean looking like J. Edgar Hoover. She balanced her partner's wild theories with pure science. I'm done chasing monsters in the dark. Mulder wants to believe. Scully wants the truth. We just want Scully. And in the end, this lifelong skeptic proved that the impossible can happen. Like a hot chick falling for a geeky alien buff. And for that, we salute her. See more of our favorite agent in the new movie, X-Files, I Want to Believe, in theaters July 25th. It's a great series. I, I, I could, again, talk about it for a long time. I hope I've given you a good taste and a good flavor for it. I wanted to kind of end uh, the discussion here a little bit with some fun stuff. And some of this will come across, uh, and some of it won't. But this is some of the bloopers that you can find uh, on YouTube, and I think they're on the season DVD sets as well. Uh, some of the bloopers from The X-Files. And uh, I will be back after this clip, and we'll kind of wrap things up. 
awfully quiet, Mr. Mulder. I don't know. I know what I saw, Scully, and I know that I saw you, not exactly the most sexually spontaneous people, about to do the wild thing with some stranger. Well, what's so weird about that? How would I get up to see them? Well, they don't like strangers up there much. The road's in pretty bad shape. Well, that's them now. They usually shop just down there at the feed store. Yeah, there were rumors those pilots were shot down. Yeah, there were rumors those pilots were shot down over line at high altitudes while they were, uh, you know, penetrating Russian air maids. This guy is a walking aphrodisiac. He's the ultimate nookie magnet. He is Spanish fly incarnate. Yeah, I hope you uh, hope you like that. Pretty funny stuff. Uh, more fun to watch them too. And a lot of bloopers tend to be people who are the actors when they're trying to say a line and, they, and they're just having trouble getting through it. But uh, if you see the expressions of the people when they're doing it, it's it's more fun. So check those out. You can find that a lot of that stuff on YouTube. Uh, oh, I also related to the X Files. We need to play a um, got a listener entry here from Meds from Hawkeye Meds on the forum. Our buddy over in the UK, uh, Simon Meddings, he is going to give us some of his uh, sort of British take on the X-Files and what he thought of the series. So take it away, Meds. Hello, Rico. This is Meds from Waffle On Podcast. And I'm talking to you through the medium of the iPhone because uh, the phones, I don't have any internet at home due to us changing servers. Wonderful England. It's like moving house. Ridiculous. Um, brilliant that you're doing a podcast on The X-Files. Um, it was one of my favourite TV series back in the day. Um, can't believe it, it ran from 93 to 2002. I'll be honest, I, <clears throat> I watched up until around about 98, I think, when the, the film came out. Uh, I lost interest when um, David Duchovny left uh, playing Fox Mulder because I just thought the dynamic between... Um, 
David and Gillian Anderson was just perfect. It was a, the ideal partnership for a television program. They bounced off each other really well. Um, there was all the always the um, will they ever get it on kind of scenario. And um, I really enjoyed that chemistry between them. Um, I, I, I thought David Duchovny was brilliant. Um, I loved him in California. I thought it was a great film. Um, not really too sure what he's, else he's done much, really. Um, Gillian Anderson, ah, well, what can you say? Every geeky uh, boy's dream girl, uh, Gillian Anderson. Um, just an awesome, awesome actress, and uh, and she, she, you know, I'll watch anything she's in now. Uh, she's, I think she lives over here in England now. Actually, I'm not too sure. Um, the other one person who stands out was uh, Mitch Pileggi, who who played uh, Walter Skinner, and I remember him from a um, terrible Wes Craven film from 1989 called Shocker, and um, we saw him at a, a convention over here in England. Uh, me and Kel did, and instead of <laughs> pointing him out and saying, "Oh, there's Skinner." Uh, said in a Simpson style voice, but uh, we turned out, ooh, shocker! And he just looks at us and uh, we just left him alone. Didn't really need to uh, remind him of such a terrible film. Um, my favourite thing in the X Files, and, and probably so many, uh, so many other people's favourite uh, episodes, um, featured tombs. Um, uh, it was in two episodes, uh, Squeeze and um, rightly so named episode Tombs. Such a scary episode and so well done. I, I bought a book by Jane Goldman who uh, is the uh, wife of uh, Jonathan Ross. She recently done the film Stardust and, uh, and wrote Kick-Ass, which comes out this week. Um, and her book was just fantastic. And I just remember reading all about those episodes. And every time I know that uh, one of the two episodes with Tombs is on, I will go out of my way to watch it because everything about that was scary. The guy looked scary, the, the creepiness, the, the way he stretched. Awesome, just really good. Um, I thought Chris Carter nailed everything like that. Um, and that's my thoughts. Um, can't wait to hear the show and keep up the good work. Uh, love uh, Trexy Sci-Fi, as you know. And uh, brilliant. And uh, speak to you soon. Okay, bye. Well, thanks much for your comments, Meds. And, and, and it's interesting when you uh, talked about the chemistry between the two actors. I agree with you, and I was just talking about that too. But I have to fix something that I said earlier in this podcast. That I don't know what I was thinking, and it, it also occurred to me when I was listening to your comments Jillian Anderson is not British. Did I say that earlier? Uh, she was born in, like, Chicago, and I know what the reason is now that I said it, though. I, there's a couple of reasons. First, uh, sorry for the mistake. She doesn't really have a... Although I think I have seen interviews because she's lived. she has lived in England quite a bit, and I think she sort of occasionally lets this little bit of a, a British tone or UK or whatever you guys call it. <laughs> she has a little bit of an accent that slips in now and then, but I think... I think she has lived a lot of time over there, so that's what confused me. And the other thing that confused me, or that I'm blending it, and you could just tell sometimes I think I do too many of these things, but uh, I've been watching, you know, that show Flash Forward, and the two main characters on there, uh, the actors uh, Joseph Fiennes, and is that how you say his name? And uh, the other one, Sonia Wagner, or whatever, how you say her last name, uh, that play the married couple on there. They're both British, and they definitely have British accents that they sort of, you know, get rid of and play Americans on that show. And I don't know why all that stuff was blending together for me. I Who knows? No idea. But Gillian Anderson, no accent, even though she's lived in England a lot. So sorry about that. But thanks for your comments, Meds. I, I appreciate it. And I know what you mean about how a lot of people did kind of fade away from it around that time when Duchovny left, and I can understand that. So... Uh, I'm going to wrap the show up right now. No more, you know, I, I 
got a lot more I could say about the X-Files. I do want to mention, though, that next week we're going to have a guest cast uh, for the Easter show. Uh, for that weekend, I'll be going home, which will limit my time. And I've been trying to coordinate those with uh, my, my trips home. So next week, we're going to have Rick Moyer talk about a TNG episode called Coming of Age. And please uh, send him clips. And if you want to send me clips about that episode for him to play, I can forward them on to Rick. But he will be guest casting uh, next week. In two weeks, I'll be back with a look at a TOS episode called A Private Little War. That's what's coming up on Treks in Sci-Fi. That's it, folks. I hope you've enjoyed this very quick and brief look at the X-Files. I hope I've given people that don't know the show enough of a taste and a flavor and a little feel for it to get you intrigued enough to, you know, maybe rent uh, a couple of season, a couple of uh, discs from season one. I, I, I guarantee you, especially if you're a fan of this kind of stuff, uh, and if you like the new show Fringe, which which is, again, uh, very much like the X-Files in a, in a number of ways, quite a few different characters, or, or sorry, quite a few differences in the characters that they have, but, uh, you know, strange things that go bump in the night. The, the biggest difference, and I'll just say this, is that Fringe just puts it right in your face. They don't really... Um, hem and haw about, you know, was this something that was strange or real? Was it for real? Was it not? There's a lot more mystery and, and, and things aren't really so much just there it is in, in, you know, in broad daylight like it is in Fringe a lot of times uh, as there is in the X-Files. Also, the FBI situation in the, on Fringe, they seem to believe more of this stuff is really going on and, and, and things that are happening than they ever did really in the X-Files. So nothing, again, good or bad about either either of those, but there are differences. But uh, I just wanted to say that if you like Fringe and you've never seen the X-Files, you definitely should check it out. Um, and even if just you're a fan of, uh, of sci-fi and fantasy and, and good television, uh, check it out as well. So uh, that's it. I'm going to finish the show out, though, and play a song. This song is by a, a singer named Bree Sharp. This song was created, uh, I think the song was created before the, yeah, the song was definitely created before the video was, but they did this very cool video for David Duchovny's birthday during their series, uh, during their filming and run of The X-Files, and there are a ton of guest stars in the video. I, I urge you to seek it out and, and watch it on uh, YouTube. Uh, just search for Bree Sharp, uh, David Duchovny, and uh, it, this song is just great. They, I mean, they got Brad Pitt, uh, George Clooney, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jillian uh, Anderson. I, I mean, a lot of people from the X-Files itself, Chris Carter. Uh, a, a ton of guest stars in this video. Unfortunately, the sad thing is, and maybe someone listening to this podcast might be able to find it or know, I'm trying to look for a, a much more high-quality high version of the video for this, and I haven't been able to find it. So if anyone out there has, has a line on that, if it's on one of the season sets, for the X-Files. I only have about maybe the first four or five seasons of the X-Files on DVD, and I want to get the rest. But uh, if anyone has any lines on a better quality version of the video, please let me know. But here is the song uh, sung by uh, Bree, Bree Sharp, uh, David Duchovny, How Do I Love You, or something is the name of the song. But it's a great piece, and it, and it really fits this uh, episode of Treks and Sci-Fi very well. So everyone, thank you so much for downloading and listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Always iTunes uh, reviews are welcome. And take care until next time. I'll talk to you in about two weeks. Uh, and Rick Moyer will be here guest hosting next week on Treks and Sci-Fi. Bye-bye. It's Sunday night.
Sci-fi.com. Treks and Sci-Fi. With Rico Dustin. 